Now this morning's reading is continuing our series that we began last week in the book of Galatians, Galatians chapter 1, and we're reading today verses 11 through to 24. Galatians 1 and 11 to 24. The Apostle Paul says this, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that the gospel I preached is not of human origin. I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it. Rather, I received it by revelation from Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my previous way of life in Judaism, how intensely I persecuted the church of God and tried to destroy it. I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people, I was extremely zealous for the traditions of my fathers. But when God, who set me apart from my mother's womb and called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his son in me that I may preach him among the Gentiles, my immediate response was not to consult any human being. I did not go up to Jerusalem to see those who were apostles before I was. I went into Arabia. Later, I returned to Damascus. Then, after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to get acquainted with Cephas and stayed with him 15 days. I saw none of the other apostles, only James, the Lord's brother. I assure you before God that what I'm writing to you is no lie. Then I went to Syria and Cilicia. I was personally unknown to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. They only heard the report, the man who formerly persecuted us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. And they praise God because of me. Amen. God will bless this reading from his holy word. Let's join together in prayer. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we gather around your word, your word which is a living word that can pierce us to the quick, we ask that you might be with us, that you would open our hearts as to what you would have to say through your word today, and that we might be people who respond with soft hearts to all that you would say to us, and that we might be changed in all that we do in our lives. So, Lord God, as we look at your word today, We ask that your name would be glorified, for we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now we come this morning again to look at Paul's letter to the Galatians. And as we do so, I wonder if you realize that this is spiritual dynamite. It's spiritual dynamite, what you have if you've got your Bible there in your hands. The spiritual awakening of Martin Luther came through this letter, the letter to the Galatians. It was also through this letter that John Wesley received peace of heart. And it's spiritual dynamite because it speaks directly from Paul's experience to ours. And so it's not an epistle, not a letter that can be read with any kind of uh, detachment. 
And I hope that as we go through this letter, through these Sundays, that we will see and feel something of the power of this letter, that we would be amazed by the power and love of God, and we'd find our own faith strengthened. Now, last week as we started our series, we thought about the opening verses of Paul's letter, that this letter was written to Christians in Galatia, a number of churches that were probably spread around what is now Turkey. And after his opening greetings, we saw that Paul got straight into his message. There was no niceties if you were uh, listening to uh, that first part of this letter last week. He gets straight into his message because he is, he's concerned. He's really concerned about what's happening to these Galatians. And he's astonished that these Galatians are deserting the true gospel and are instead being confused by, by people who are adding to the gospel instead of understanding that the gospel is all about grace. You see, after Paul has evangelized the Galatians, it appears that there are other missionaries who have appeared in this area who have been trying to persuade the Galatian believers that the gospel that Paul shared with them isn't an adequate gospel and that more needs to be added to it. And so it seems that they're saying, yes, we know that Jesus died, and yes, we know that Jesus died for our sins, but really you also need to be circumcised. You need to keep certain aspects of the law, and if you're not doing that, you're not a true believer. And these other missionaries, because they're adding to the gospel, have been attacking Paul and saying, see that man Paul that came to you? He said he was an apostle, but he's not really an apostle. All he knows is second-hand. That's what they're accusing him of. And in this letter, Paul's responding to these claims. And he's again reminding the Galatian believers what the true gospel is. Now, in today's passage that we read, we see that Paul begins by saying that the gospel he preached is not of human origin. You see, this is one of the things that Paul is being accused of, that the gospel he's preaching has just been taken from others, and it's a defective gospel. But Paul goes on to testify why this is not true. And this is why Galatians is perhaps the the most personal of Paul's letters, as he, he testifies all that has happened to him. Now, the first thing that Paul makes clear is the gospel he preached is not of human origin. He didn't receive it from any man or was taught it. Rather, it was through revelation, revelation from Jesus. The gospel that Paul preached was directly from Jesus. It wasn't like he was just regurgitating something that he'd learned or or, or was repeating something. A lot of children at school at the moment are sitting assessments, aren't they? We can't call them exams. They're assessments. And I don't know if you can remember when you sat exams at school, but, you know, I used to cram. used to cram a couple of days before, cram everything in. And you just memorize as much as you could, and then you regurgitated it on. You know, get out everything that you could remember. That's what Paul was being accused of. He's just regurgitating what he'd learned. 
repeating something. But that wasn't true. You see, the gospel that Paul had received was from Jesus. And Paul goes on to testify how this is true. Now, what I want you to notice here is that whilst Paul had a, a specific calling upon his life, his spiritual experience here and how his life was changed ought also to be the same for us. Ought to be the same. You see, we can obviously read God's Word, we can hear preaching, we can uh, hear people speaking about Jesus, but it is God ultimately who changes hearts and lives, and only God. We can be as well-educated as we can and still not be a Christian. It's through revelation. It's through God's Spirit that we can come into a relationship with God. And from verse 13 onwards, Paul testifies to this and tells his own story. And he reminds the Galatians what he'd been like formerly, how he persecuted the church, how he tried to destroy the church, something, of course, that we read in the, the book of Acts. Remember, he persecuted the church and was zealous about it. Remember, he'd been there when Stephen was stoned and gave his approval. But then, one day, Paul's life changed dramatically. And we read, of course, about this in Acts chapter 9, how Paul had got some letters from the high priest to go and imprison believers in Damascus. But how on the road to Damascus, how he had this dramatic experience where he had a vision and Jesus spoke to him and then he was blinded for three days. After a man called Ananias is called by God to go and heal Paul, and lay his hands on him that Paul might receive the Holy Spirit. Paul is completely changed, unrecognizable. From a place of persecuting the church and, and trying to destroy the church, suddenly Paul is testifying Jesus is the Son of God, Jesus is the Christ. And that's what Paul is trying to get across in these verses in Galatians. This dramatic change that suddenly happened. He was going to Damascus one moment, going to destroy the church, and Jesus met with him. And then all of a sudden, he believes because he met with Jesus. He believes Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God. God intervened. Paul's life was changed. And it was all of grace. You see, what does Paul say in verse 15? It's almost a, a throwaway comment, isn't it? Paul says, God has set him apart from his mother's womb. Now, of course, we cannot choose to be born, can we? We've, we've done nothing of merit prior to being born. And that's Paul's point. It's all of grace. When Paul was on that road to Damascus, seeking a way to destroy the church, God intervened. And it wasn't because of what Paul had done in his life. It was simply God in his grace and mercy reached out and revealed Jesus to Paul. Now, of course, we might not have had quite as dramatic a conversion as Paul. 
But if we have had a life that's been changed by an encounter with the risen Jesus, then if we've come into a relationship with God, what we have to realize is it's all of grace. What does the old hymn say? My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. No merit of my own I claim, but holy trust in Jesus' name. You see, we can claim no merit. It's all about God. It's all about what Jesus has done for us. It's all about God's mercy and God's grace. And we can only come with thankful hearts at all that God has done in Jesus. And what a privilege it is, if you're a Christian here today, that God has called you into the kingdom. How wonderful is that? It's glorious. But of course, there's more here in this passage today, isn't there? You see, Paul wants to make it clear that when he met with Jesus and was converted, that his immediate response was not to consult any human being. Now, why is that important? Why is it important that he didn't, as soon as he was converted, go up to Jerusalem, see the apostles, but instead went to Arabia and Damascus? Well, it's important because Paul is answering the charge that he got the gospel secondhand, and that he's only regurgitating what he was taught from others. But Paul is refuting this. He says it was only three years later that he went up to Jerusalem to get acquainted with Cephas, Peter. And only then that he, he met James too, Jesus' brother. And then Paul went to Syria and Cilicia. And so he's personally unknown to the churches in, in, in Judea. That's what Paul's saying. They only know him as the man who persecuted the church and is now preaching the gospel. And they rejoice in him. And note here that those churches in Judea, they recognize that what he is preaching is the very gospel that he tried to destroy. They recognize and affirm the message that Paul is bringing. You see, they know of the very real change that's happened in Paul's life. And they rejoice in it. And they recognize his message, which verifies the messenger. Now, I guess there are a couple of lessons for us in this too. You see, so often people perhaps think that they need to be educated to respond to the gospel. But what we need to see is that God can, in an instant, change someone's life. So before they were not a Christian, but now they are. I think C.S. Lewis, when he gives his testimony, I think he was on a bus. He was on a bus. He describes it in that way, that he, he was on a bus. When he got on the bus, he was not a Christian. When he got off the bus, he was. You see, in Paul's case, he wasn't even thinking about becoming a Christian. His only thought was to destroy the church. But then Jesus meets him, and his life has changed. And we must always realize that God can still change people's lives in dramatic ways such as this. Indeed, we must pray that God would do so. 
I was reading something this week that suggested that instead of our society being known as a post-Christian society in 2021, that actually we should be known as a pre-Christian society. That made me think. The reason being that the whole idea of us being a, a Christian country, of people knowing their Bibles, has completely gone. Completely gone. Instead, it's almost as if we are pre-Christian. People need to be evangelized, and we need to pray that people's lives are changed. We cannot do it in our own strength. The church cannot do it, but God can. And the second thing here is that when people's lives are changed, we are to praise God. We're to praise God. You see, what happened in Acts chapter 9 was amazing for Paul, wasn't it? What a change. Imagine meeting Jesus on the Damascus Road, suddenly realizing this is true. But sometimes I, I think we forget how wonderful it must have been for the church at that time. Because here was this man, Paul, and he was quite well known at that time, persecuting the church, making life miserable. And then all of a sudden, in an instant, his life is turned around, not by anything that the, the church had done, but simply by the grace of God. No wonder they praise God. And we too must praise God when someone's life is changed and they come to faith in Jesus. We must praise God. And we can't just be cynical about it. Now, as we come to the end of thinking about this passage today, what are we to make of it? Well, firstly, the importance of personal testimony. Paul is sharing his testimony here. Paul's life has been changed, and the change is undeniable. And when we become a Christian, we are changed. There ought to be a change. And so even though people can argue with us about the, the truth claims of, of Christianity, what they can argue with is the change that Jesus has brought to our life. You see, sometimes people come to me and say, look, you know, I'm really nervous about sharing my faith. I don't feel I know enough. I don't think I know the gospel well enough. You know, I haven't read the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. You know, the fact is none of us know enough, do we? But we can all share our own story. Whether that's, you know, all your life you've known that God has been there with you. You've been brought up in a Christian home, been brought up in the faith. Or if you've been converted later in life, and you can testify to that, that before you didn't know God, and then God revealed himself to you, and now you do. We can all share our story, can't we? We can testify to the change that God has brought to our lives. You see, when we become a Christian, we are changed. And there ought to be a change. It ought to be a, a visible, a noticeable change. In Paul's case, there was an undeniable change, completely the grace of God. And the church rejoiced. We need to testify 
to what God has done in our lives and the grace God has shown to us. And secondly, as we conclude today, and picking up on that point, again we are reminded this morning that the gospel is all of grace. It's all of grace. When you are a Christian, God has chosen you before the foundation of the world. That's mind-blowing, isn't it? That's mind-blowing. Those times in your Christian life when you think, oh, you know, I feel far away from God, and we base it on our feelings, I want you to remember that God chose you before the foundation of the world. And that's a wonderful thing, isn't it? Because no matter, you know, and faith goes up and down at times, doesn't it? You know, when we feel close to God, when we don't feel close to God, but if God has chosen us, it's all of grace. It's mind-blowing. It's nothing to do with merit. It's simple grace. And when we have that perspective, then pride is taken out of the equation. And instead, we focus upon the Lord and we live out our lives for Him. We love because He first loved us. So again this morning, as Paul is saying to the Galatians, Let us not add to the gospel message. But let's see that it's all of grace. Let's ponder it. Let's be refreshed by it. Let's live by it. To the grace and glory of God. You see, this is not man's gospel. It's not a gospel of human origin. This is God's story. This is God's love letter to you. It's God's gospel. This is the true gospel, the gospel of grace in which we rejoice. Amen.